You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. With the prayers that Dolapo led us earlier for those who were in service, you know, when we started, she prayed from a scripture that I would also be sharing from. And essentially, that scripture just embodies God's desire for us. This entire month, we have been speaking about growing, growing in our knowledge of God, growing in intimacy with Him, becoming the type of person that God originally designed and intended before sin came into the picture, okay? So today's message is tagged, transformed. I know we're all wearing masks, and I know some people are online, so if you're online, you want to type it in there, transformed. If you're in the room here, can I ask that you say it? Transformed. Say it with a lot of energy. If I went to prepare when she was, no, it was when, um, I think it was when Daniel was sharing his God experience and someone was shouting behind there, E for what? I only remembered one person that always says that in this house, uh, Nifemi. Nifemi was everything, E for what? Energy. So can we say it with some energy? Transformed. Transformed, transformed, transformed. Hallelujah. All right, so last week when we were sharing, when Demilade and I were sharing, thank you again, Demilade, God bless you. When we're sharing here on stage, we talked about the lifestyle of faith. Upper week, we spoke about the need to move because we were not trees. God created us to grow. When we don't grow, we are not fulfilling purpose. When we don't grow, we are not um, useful. And I remember one of the examples we shared was if you had a child, no matter how cute and cuddly your child is, your desire is for that child to grow and to become better in every way. And that's God's desire for us, to grow and to be better in every way. So in our relational lives, in our spiritual lives, in, you know, in our health, physically, mentally, emotionally, God desires for us to grow. When a child wants to express pain, wants to express anger, wants to express hurt or hunger, a child, a baby will cry. Imagine your boyfriend or your girlfriend trying to get your attention every time and all the person does is cry. Please help me. How does that make you feel? Frustrated, yes. Any other word to qualify that, yeah? Annoying. Like, ma- manipulated, exactly. That, that's the only language the person understands in expressing discomfort, pain, anger. In fact, won't you wonder, did this person miss his childhood years? Like, did you, did you not grow? Did you grow in your, you know how it is, you just grew height-wise, but you did not, your emotions did not grow? You will wonder. That is how the spiritual state of some of us, that's how it is. We are advancing in years, but we're not growing spiritually. The very same things that we have been struggling with 10 years ago when we gave our hearts to Jesus, 15 years ago, for some people five years ago, are the very same things you are still dealing with. So, transformed. Transformed, transformed. I got up on, on Sunday. 
I had shared here previously how my daughters watch, <laughs> they watch the service. And that's very interesting because my older daughter is seven. She turns eight this year. And she always has a conversation with me. I mean, in her, to her little mind, there are certain things I will say here that go back, I mean, haunts me eventually when I get home. And one of it was the analogy I shared. In fact, it was Demilade that put me into this. He shared the analogy of, oh yeah, it was me actually, $100,000. Anybody remember? If we're in the room, yeah, exactly. And my daughter Zoe had heard that. And so when I got home, she was like, oh, mommy, great, great service today. So will you really give someone $100,000? And I said, yes, if there is a need for it. And I did not know I was being set up. If there is a need for it and God lays it in my heart to do it, why not? It's just money. And then I go on in my uh, motherly, African mother something, every opportunity to teach a lesson. And so I begin to tell her, oh, so you know Luke, I think, is it Luke 11, 19 or Luke 11, 12 says a man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things that he possesses, you know. Feeling like, oh, $100,000 is nothing. And she goes, okay, meanwhile, we've been having this conversation for a bit. Well, she has been having that conversation. I have not been responding because I said to her it was not going to happen. She's been asking for a phone and she's been trying to justify, I don't know what's going on, but it looks like the, for every generation, the children are maturing and growing really fast. It's, it's honestly it's a bit scary. And I'm being honest here, guys. It's a bit scary. So she's been asking me for a phone. She wants a phone. She's been, you know. Anyway, on this particular Sunday after service when I got home and then she says, she asked me that question and I launched off into my tirade of trying to teach a lesson. She allowed me to finish and she said, okay, that's great, mommy, because I need an iPhone now. Ah. <laughs> like, how did matter go from $100,000 to iPhone? She said, I can tell you why I need it and I'm sure God will not say you shouldn't give me. She's basically using my responses against me. You know, I can't lie, guys, I just... I just did not say anything. I'm like, you know what, I'm tired, please. I'm not I've not had breakfast, and this is afternoon already. Let me just rest. That's how I left the matter. I know it's coming back, and I know she's listening. <laughs> so we're probably going to have another conversation about an iPhone. I just thought in my mind, iPhone, call, earphone, me. Like, what is that? <laughs> Am I even using an iPhone? What's that, you know? But anyway, back to the concept of being transformed and God's desire for us. The word transformed is used to describe a drastic change. So the way it is, several years back for, if, if you have anybody over 40 in the room, or 50, when you were having kids, you know, at some point in time, kids came with their eyes closed. Our generation, kids came with their eyes open. Maybe by my daughter's generation, they will start talking as you give birth to them, only God knows. But the way they're going, you know, our generation, kids, I mean, babies, 18-month-old babies are already swiping because they play, I mean, they, we, we give them phones and things to watch their cartoons and stuff on. So they already understand the concept of swiping. There are some things that I, my daughters discovered on my tab that I did not even, maybe I, I wouldn't say I didn't, I didn't know existed, but I just was never patient to figure out how it worked. But they already have figured it, you know, with the advent of technology and just... They are growing, bottom line. And so if things are happening in the natural that require growth and we are responding to the demands being placed, why is it then that that isn't translating 
you know, we don't have a similar experience in our spiritual uh, walk with God, okay? So, it is used to describe a drastic change. Sometimes, when we use the word transformed, or somebody says, I experienced a transformation, I mean, it's not typically the kind of word you throw around because it's, it's quite a mouthful. But when someone will tell you they, they, you know, they experienced a transformation, they are referring to a life-changing event. But I found that sometimes people use it to mean things like, oh, I used to be dark, now I'm fair-skinned. Um, I used to work at a bank, now I work in an oil company, and I'm earning three times what I used to earn. You know, my life has changed, I've blown. So almost in our generation, transformation is like I've blown because you could hang out in certain places or couldn't afford to hang out in certain places. But now your pay has tripled. You can hang out with the boys in certain areas now. Okay, so um, the dictionary definition of the word transform is to change in form, it's in appearance or structure. It is to metamorphose, it is to change in condition, in nature, or character. It is to convert. Now, I like the last set of words used to describe it, which is um, to change in condition, to change in nature, to change in character, to convert. Because that is what, now this, this is the dictionary definition of the word transform. When the Bible would say in Romans 19, uh, sorry, Romans 12, verse 2, the Amplified Translation. It says, and do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes. The first thing that happens to us before we even get into the mind transformation, when we give our hearts to Jesus, is a positional transformation. We are translated from the kingdom of darkness into light. We change positions. The day you said that prayer and you received Jesus into your heart, you confessed him as your Lord and Savior. Your position changed. You've moved from darkness into light. And with that translation, your spiritual position, obviously, you are seated now with Christ in the heavenly places. That is where you are located. However, when we get born again, we don't, our skin color doesn't change, right? It's a spiritual um, repositioning that happens. Let's pack that thought there. The second thing when we then move from positional transformation that needs to happen with us when God desires our lives to be transformed, it's a mind transformation. And that's what um, Paul was addressing here in the book of Romans, saying that you must be transformed and progressively changed. We know someone in the scriptures in the book of Acts chapter 9, you know, Saul, who had an almost instant experience of that transformation. Suffice to say that Paul obviously was not unaware of who Jesus was because he had taken a position to militate and wage war against Christians and anything that, and anyone that represented Christ. So he was not unaware and because he was a very learned scholar, we can almost infer that he was familiar with some of the works and the acts of Jesus. However, he had not been translated. 
his position hadn't changed until he had that encounter on his way to Damascus. And Jesus literally visited him, an encounter. Some of us are waiting for that divine encounter. And hoping that when it happens, we are, you know, those vices, those things that we're dealing with would immediately just stop. But for some, it would require, sorry, for some of us, it requires staying and walking and walking and walking with God, walking with him. Because even Paul, despite that encounter, had to stay. He had to learn before he was launched out into his ministry. But the first thing that is instructive is the fact that Ananias, a prophet of God elsewhere, would get a phone call from God saying, there's a Paul somewhere that I have just recently gotten a hold of and I intend to use him mightily. This guy is praying, so I'm going to need you to visit him. Paul spends time in prayer. But some of us on this journey, we want it to happen, but we don't want to put in the work that is necessary. We don't want to stay and undergo the process of tutelage so that the transformation we desire can actually happen and be reflected throughout our lives. Now, still on the mind transformation there, we see in 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. That image there, means representation. It means that we are taking on a spiritual personality and a moral likeness. A spiritual personality and a moral likeness. That we are becoming more like God. That the things that please God please us. That the things that God desires, we begin to desire such. That the things that we desire that are in contradiction to God's will, that he begins to, you know, just purge us of these things, of these thoughts, of such lifestyle. But it is a progressive, uh, progressive um, journey that we need to undertake with Christ and by the help of the Holy Spirit. So how do we engage transformation? As usual, for those who are taking notes, I'm going to run through some scriptures and I encourage you, please note them down so you can study them. James chapter 1, from 23 to 25, it says, If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word. This one will be blessed in what he does. So two categories of people described here. First is the hearer, which we see in the uh, later verses is described as a forgetful hearer because what it is, in fact, I saw, a, I saw a post by the World Economic Forum about note-taking. And there was a study, a research that was done to compare those who still use exercise books and notepads like me and have been referred to as dinosaurs versus those who use, who take their notes on, on, on digital gadgets. And according to that research, 
the people who would make lists and make notes always remembered a whole lot better than the guys who used, who took notes on gadgets. That is not to say not to take notes on gadgets. I just thought to put that in there while we're talking about the forgetful hearer. Because the forgetful hearer is the one who comes to church and listens to the word. I'm so sorry, that thing is distracting me. Comes to church, hears the word, steps out, says hi to Nifemi, Dolapo, Dom. By the time he gets into his car and goes home and has stayed a bit in traffic, uh, his girlfriend has called, they've had an argument, and all, and you do a check. Do you remember what you heard in church today? And he can't remember, or she can't remember. The forgetful hearer is the one that the word glosses, you know, just, it, it, almost as though it just passes over your head. And you're unable to just catch what is being said, take what is your own, make notes, begin to process how to apply what you have heard and the instruction that has been given to you from the word. The forgetful era is the one that is not very diligent in the study of the word, even in his personal devotion, his or her personal devotion. Doesn't take out time to even pray. And yet, once the blessings that are attached, with son, uh, attached to sonship and attached to having become a son of God. So, we need to hear the word and do the word because we see here the second category of people referred to is the doer. To be a doer, you have to have heard the word. So one person doesn't complete the process the second person completes the process, having heard the word, the word having been mixed with faith in his heart, can then produce results and he can go on the strength of that word that he has heard and the faith that has been activated in his life and begin to produce results, begin to do the word. So we need to hear the word, we need to do the word. Speaking about doing the work, sometime back you know, in our generation it became, very, it became a thing to embrace a whole lot more self-care and self-preservation, which was great. A, a, lot, a lot of us became aware that, oh, we need to do me first. The, the term do me just refers to, look, I want to satisfy my own self-interest. You do you, I do me. Don't do me, <laughs> do you, you know, and I will take care of myself. However, doing me is good, is really good. It's important that we care for ourselves. It's important that we prioritize self. Um, but doing Christ is better. Doing me is that position you take and you say, look, it is what matters to me. I'm not really sure how it impacts my neighbor. And to be honest, I really don't care. For someone, it's doing me right now in your life is your parents are saying one thing, you are saying something else, and you're like, you know what, I have lived under your roof for a while. I've obeyed, I have followed every instruction you've given, but right now I really can't be bothered. I am going to do me. I'm going to follow my own path. And while that in itself may not necessarily be wrong, because there are several contexts that can shape such a decision, Especially when you know very clearly that God is saying, 
for you to proceed in that direction. But where it borders on dishonor, or it just borders on friends have told you or giving you a certain type of advice and things like that, and you're, you are not even very sure of what the outcomes look like, then there's a problem. Because God has not called us to satisfy just selfish interests. He says to love him and to love others as we love ourselves. So it's important that you love yourself and you love others. Okay, so doing me is good, doing Christ is better. Doing Christ involves following his instructions, choosing to follow his ways, proposing in your heart that you'll be fully yielded and surrendered to him. Whatever he's saying to you per time, you will do. You will do. It is a commitment. It's a, a commitment that involves a lifestyle change. It means that you may have been born again for so long, but the things that you're struggling with is a function of the quality of intimacy and the level of relationship that you have with God. Now, it was, it's almost as if I can hear someone asking, but I serve God diligently, and yet it looks like the things that I am trusting for, I, I, I need him to come through for me, for marriage, you know, my marital destiny, for, for a new job, for, and it looks like you have those questions in your heart. What I would say to you is this. To think that God is unaware or to think that he's unkind, isn't it? The times and the seasons of our lives are very different and the journeys of our lives are also very different. We spoke about times and seasons last week. It is important that you understand God's plan for your life. And how do you do that? You engage with him because he's the one that has mapped your journey. You ask him questions and you submit to his will. Someone shared with me, for those who were at the night of increase, I trust you had an amazing time on Friday. Yeah? Awesome. Someone shared with me, um, in, after the service, a testimony of how a six-year-long promise that God gave eventually came to pass. And it was such a mind-blowing testimony because you know how it is six years. I mean, there's a highlight to you that you could have even been asking yourself, but God, did I really hear you? You know, anybody been in that, that face where you've had to ask, God, did I really hear you speak? God, am I sure? Or was it just my mind playing tricks on me? But God told her that she was going to have um, an international appointment and she did not know how it was going to happen, obviously, because you know how it is God tells you something and you're not even sure, well, how do I start to map the journey? Where do I want to strategize and position and posture? But through those six years, God just was taking her on a journey, training her and preparing her for it. In fact, at some point, there may have been a possibility that she'd stopped even dwelling so much on that promise and just continue to live life through the types of jobs that she was getting, professional development that she began to undertake and all. And just this month, she gets a call and someone says to her, oh, look, I have these people who need to hire, the, um, she's an older friend, so they need a president, it's one of the East African countries. They started a university and they needed a president for that university. 
and the person recommended that she did not apply for it. That university um, exists in the UK, and so they were starting out a location in an East African country. And that's how she went from earning in Naira to earning in dollars. In this, in, you know what exchange rates is saying, right? Exactly. But that's it. And there you have it. It took, what, five years, 2016 to date, five years. Five years. For some, you are still holding on to the promise. And I'm saying to you, don't give up. Don't give up. God is too faithful to fail. If he has spoken it, he will definitely do it. All right, so still on this journey of transformation, it is the truth that sets us free. It is the truth of God's word that sets us free. And the word of God is the truth. It is our only effective response to the lies and deception of the devil. What is the word saying concerning your present circumstance? Have you taken time to search the scriptures? See, this Christian life is not for the lazy or the faint-hearted. Now, let me clarify. Just in case somebody's listening to me and you're feeling like, if it's that deep, then maybe I don't want him. No. See, the more, of, the, the more you enjoy God, the more of him you want. Do I have witnesses in the house? When you see God walk and you see him come through for you, it propels you into wanting more. You will not want to be satisfied with just being there. There is a hunger and a thirst that will come upon you and cause you to keep wanting more and to keep desiring more. So it is a journey. And it is a journey for people who want to live the lives that they have been designed to live. Because if the product manufacturer already has your manual, then why do you want to live outside of the dictates of the manual? So the word of God is true. We need to find what the word is saying about us, what the word is saying about our current condition, what the word is saying about our health, what the word is saying about our finances, what the word says you know, about our, the quality of our lives, who we are in him. Because some people need to begin to enforce the authority that they have as believers. But you see, you cannot enforce what you don't know. You cannot enforce what you don't know. If you've never used a certain type of car and it is gifted to you, someone should give me the name of a very fancy car that is very complicated to use. Because everybody knows that, yeah, once you have an ignition, worst case, maybe if you a keyless entry, you press a button, but give me the name of a car that is really complicated to use. Ferrari? Is Ferrari complicated? It is? That's how you know people that have not driven a Ferrari before, because I don't even know whether it's complicated or not. But anyway, let's use Ferrari for the purpose of this analogy. I gift you a Ferrari now, amen? Receive it? Amen. Amen. <laughs> See there? Anyway, I give you a Ferrari and you jump in and you're, all you want to do is just get on the road out of excitement. And the car refuses to move. And you fiddle with all the buttons and, you know, the roof is opening. Everything is happening at the same time and you're just confused. That is the way some of our lives look. Because we have refused to engage the manual to figure out what God is saying. And... We are allowing the storms of life just toss us to and fro and blow us in different directions. 
Something happens and we put our hands on our head and we're shout like, hey, I hear me, me, me. And you have refused to see what God is saying. Someone shared something with me this week. Actually, someone very close to me about undertaking a business project and the person got there. Everything that was supposed to have happened had not happened. They were way past timeline, delivery timeline. The machines had all packed up, new brand new equipment that were bought had packed up. The person said as he got to that place, he could sense that there was, you know, manipulative uh, uh, spirit of oppression right there because they, were, they had competitors surrounding them. And he could sense that something had been done on that land. And you know, when the person was talking to me, I said, so what did you do? Because in me, it's not my, it's not my matter like that, like that. I mean, it's, it's my matter in a way. I was angry. I was angry at the devil because I just thought, how dare you? Like from where to where? How dare you touch what belongs to God's child? It is unacceptable. So even when, you know, Bible speaks about when men sleep. Let's assume that at some point we slept off. Let's assume that at some point we were not mindful of, of the devices of the enemy that were in operation. Now that you know and you get into such a situation, what are you doing about it? And for someone here, it is in your finances. For someone, it is, there's a devourer that you need to rebuke. And there is wisdom that needs to be released to you as well in how to be prudent. For someone, it is your health, and you have been battling this challenge over and over again, so, so much so that it has become normal to you. You have chosen to just live with it because the reports from the doctors have not changed. May I encourage you today to enforce the authority you have in Christ over the matter and begin to speak the word of God. But to speak the word, you have got to know what the word says. And so you go into the word and you search for it. So, what is written has the power to transform what is happening in your life. What has been written concerning you, what is in the volume of the book concerning your life, what the word of God says you have, who God says you are, has the power to transform what is happening in your life. So speak the word, speak life. Whose voice are you heeding? Whose voice are you listening to? When the band led us in that song, I will respond. When you call, I will respond. When you pull me, I will come closer to you. God is calling, God is pulling. But there are several other voices too that are calling and pulling us in this generation. So whose voices are we acceding to? Whose voices are we heeding? Or what? For some, it's not a who, it's a what. What voice are you listening to? What voice are you responding to? Okay? Now, in John chapter 10, verse 14 to 15, it says, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and I am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Uh, Jesus is referring to himself here. He's the good shepherd. And he refers to everyone that has accepted or received him and come into that new life with him as, and that relationship with him as his sheep. 
Now, has anybody ever struggled with the analogy of being referred to as a sheep? Be honest, too. Because there's a way you think about sheep in your mind and you're like, but they are very docile. I'm not a sheep, I'm a lion. <laughs> you know, you just be like, why, but Jesus, why? Of all animals, why the sheep? Why not an eagle, you know? Why not, the sheep very meek, very docile, you push them this way, they go and all. But if you go and study that scripture a bit more, you would understand the reason why God will refer to, or Jesus will refer to some, the people who follow him as sheep and the people who, follow him as, uh, who don't follow him as goats. When they call somebody a goat, it's not a pleasant something. I'm sure a few people here have been called goats before, right? Usually that sounds like the kind of thing a parent will say. Stubborn goats. <laughs> but nobody wants to be called a goat. First of all, they, are na- they look nasty. And they stink, and I mean, let's even leave all that, their physical attributes. But they're very stubborn. Very stubborn. Have you ever seen a goat? Now, some of you, all, you, all your life, you have lived in Lekki or Banana Island. So you don't know what goats look like, aside from what you saw in your social studies book. You have no idea, or maybe you Google them. But hey, they are goats. And goats are nasty. They are very difficult to manage. You will see a goat, if you watch, African magic, you will see a goat carry somebody's yam and run with it. And people are trying to chase the goat to collect the, you know, goats are just not it. So when, you call, when you're called a goat, they're not necessarily saying you look like a goat. It's that you have goat behavior. So you need to fix your goat behavior. Because that's what Jesus is saying here. I'm looking for people that have sheep behavior because they are mine. They hear my voice. They know me. But you see the people with goat behavior, they are so far from me. And the, the goat behavior type human is the one that wants to do me and nothing else. The one that chooses, look, Lord, I don't, in fact, doesn't even, what is Lord? I don't have time. My plan is to make money, do this, do that, do that, and, and that's it. All this, come and be a Christian, Come and serve God. It's not for me. Religion is the opium of the poor and the weak and the struggling in society. And there are different concepts and mindsets. So, um, the Good Shepherd and us as his sheep is an expression of personal intimacy with him. It expresses the quality of relationship we have with him, our willingness to listen, our willingness to obey. And we know his voice. You cannot know the voice of someone you are not in a relationship with. You cannot. If your boo or bae, or whatever we call it now, calls you, the expectation is that you recognize who is speaking. That is the expert. If your parents speak to you today, you already know. They don't need to introduce I mean, isn't it weird if your father calls you and says, hello, this is Dr. Adeshio. I want to speak with Daniel. You're like, Dad, is everything all right? <laughs> Do you understand? Hello, son. Hello. Because there's already, you know, if it doesn't even say son, you already know who's speaking. Because you have grown with him. You have lived with him. You are intimate with him. You have a relationship. And that is the kind of lifestyle God is calling us to. He wants us to grow. 
in our knowledge of him and in our walk with him. And that is why in Ephesians 1.17, Paul will pray for the church at Ephesus. And we apply that same prayer over our own lives now. That we will be filled with the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of the Father. So, my sheep hear my voice speaks to the call that Jesus Christ has already made over us that brings us as believers into a new and abundant life of fellowship with him. Jesus, as the good shepherd, calls us by name. He knows our name. He knows, and someone needs to say, God knows my name because he named me. He knows my name. I have a name that I have been given by the Father. And so what the world is calling me is not my name. When they call me, you know, a failure, that is not me. That is not me. That may be an impression that they have of me, but that is not who I am. Because my father has given me a name. Okay, so can we have that video? There's a, <laughs> there's a short video that we want to watch. It's really short. That speaks to this whole concept of sheep calling. Okay, so for those of you Actually, those of us, let me not lie, because it's not as if I have, I grew up where they, they were herding sheep. Um, did I just say sheep? Sheep. So please listen. Can we have the video? Can we or we can't? All right. This man is trying to call the sheep, but they're not answering him. Someone else attempts to do it again. Now the shepherd. Can you can you see how they begin to respond? were attempting to imitate the call you see what happened no response and that is where God wants us to get to the things that are calling at us that are not of God should not get our attention but you see when the shepherd steps in and makes a call he doesn't have to do too much in fact he has a way you notice the rhythm all the others that were attempting to do they were not even getting it but they heard his voice they paused, they are grazing, and they all began to run towards him. Now, in the first century where 
this, um, so you know, when Jesus would share parables and use these types of analogies, it was representative of what was prevalent in that season, of course, in their time there. So right now, I mean, we don't see sheep. The closest to sheep we see is cattle rearing. And a lot of us, have, we have very passionate views about it, especially in, in the southwestern part of Nigeria. So I'm sure it's not a very good analogy to use. But let's just stick with this sheep, you know. They hear his voice and they come running. Jesus is calling to us and he's asking us to come up higher. Come up to that place where the other voices that are contending for attention, the other voices, the negative voices that are calling at you, you ignore because that is not the voice that matters. There is only one voice that should be speaking over your life. There is only one voice that you should be listening to and attending to and heeding to and responding to and that is the voice of the good shepherd. So, just to bring this all uh, and wrap it all up, okay? I'm going to read, before I read, let me just say it. So the journey of transformation from being a goat, just in case you have goat behavior, amen, to being transformed into a sheep involves some spiritual exercise that needs to happen. It is the uprooting and pulling down of God-opposing thought patterns, the uprooting and the pulling down of God-opposing thought patterns, those thought patterns that are contending with the knowledge of God in your life, with what the Word says, you need to deal with them. And how do you deal with them? You deal with them by searching the Scriptures for what God says about you uh, and about those thoughts, and you begin to make those declarations. You begin to speak them. You begin to speak the word till it becomes life. The Bible speaks about the, you know, the word becoming flesh and dwelling amongst us, referring to Jesus. But the word has got, has, has got to come alive to you. It has got to come alive to you. So you uproot and you pull down. You pray to discern God's will for your life. Uh, you receive grace and courage for obedience and for sacrifice. Because on this journey, we will be called to make sacrifices and we must be willing we must be willing to make those sacrifices because guess what? God is a rewarder and he would never ask you, first of all, he will never put anything that is ill-fitting on you. And if he puts you per chance, you find yourself in a situation where it looks like, God, you're asking too much from me. You need to, your, your faith needs to be activated to know that there is grace available for that, you know, that situation you are in. There is grace. So if you're in a waiting season in your life, there is grace available for you to wait and to wait well without going down to Egypt or seeking the arm of flesh. There is grace available to wait and to wait well. And if you're in a training season of your life where it looks like, God, you're just putting me in, you know, my boss is a certain way, you know, my parents are, it just looks like there's a lot of turmoil around you. There is grace to go through that season. Jesus would say to you know, his disciples, when he was sleeping in the boat and they were in a storm and they all began to fret, he would speak to the storm and then he would say to them, where is your faith? Because they had seen him speak and he wasn't asking them why were they afraid. It was, where is your faith? Your faith in me, your faith in, in the power of the Most High God should allow you rest in a situation of turmoil, knowing that God has said he will not leave you and he will not forsake you, that he is with you even in that storm. And someone needs to believe that and apply to their current situation because you are in a storm right now. You are in a stormy season where it looks like nothing is making sense. 
you need to say to yourself, God is with me. God is with me. And you, you also need to speak to the storm. Part of exercising your faith as a believer, part of exercising the authority you have by reason of relationship. Bible says, like I said earlier, scripture says that you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. So you need to speak from the position, not from your location. You need to speak from your position, not your location. Because your location isn't making sense right now, but that is not who you are. So you speak knowing that you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. So thriving in our love for God and also for our neighbors. So in the course of doing you, be sensitive enough and aware enough to know what God is saying to you concerning your neighbors, concerning your nation, concerning your family, concerning your friends. See, God is looking for people that he will walk through. And sometimes your blessings are tied to the goodness and the kindness of God that you allow flow out of you to others. Ask Joseph. We can't go into that, but ask, go and study the story of Joseph. If Joseph had missed that opportunity to interpret the dream for the butler and the baker, well, I don't know what would have happened. But yeah, go and study that scripture. So lastly, I'm going to read from the popular Psalm 23. And that is our assignment for this week. So you know, every week we try and do what we will, an activity that we will go with. Okay? So we're still on our no scripture, no social media. I hope new people have joined us in this challenge. So before you pick up your phone in the morning to go on social media, you will study the word of God first. No scripture, no food for someone who social media isn't your thing. And hopefully before you go to bed, you would meditate a bit on the word of God. You will search the scripture for his promises for you. Okay, so Psalm 23, very popular like I said because we all started reciting it from maybe when we were in primary school or something. Psalm 23 verse 1 to 6. Can we all recite it together? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff comforts me. Thou hast prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou hast anointed my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy follows me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever and ever. Amen. I declare over each and every person in the name of the Lord Jesus that in this next quarter, this will be your testimony of the Father. Just as David received the revelation, even before Jesus came, but he received the revelation, he experienced God as his good shepherd. I declare that will be your testimony in the second quarter of this year in Jesus' name. We see here how, you know, the shepherd is the one who does the work. And the sheep's responsibility is to respond to the work being done. So he makes me 
to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. I pray for you in the name of the Lord Jesus that your heart will be open and you will be fully yielded to the leading of the Father in the name of Jesus. I declare that will be your testimony that the Lord led you through stormy waters and he, you came out on the other side unscathed. You came out, you did not drown. I declare that you would enjoy divine direction and clarity in the name of Jesus. You will not be confused. You will not fail. You will not falter. You will not walk in error in the name of Jesus. I speak over that one who is currently dealing with series of errors and you're bearing, it looks like you're bearing repercussion for series of errors that you have, you, you, you have committed or, or uh, experience. I declare that the mercy of God will prevail in your life in the name of Jesus. That you are coming out strengthened. You are coming out strong. You are coming out restored and refreshed in the name of Jesus. As the good shepherd leads you beside still waters, your heart is open to receive completely all that he has prepared for you in the second quarter of this year in Jesus name your mind engages wisdom divine wisdom is in abundant supply over your business over your career over your finances over your relationships in the name of the Lord Jesus I declare all round peace for you peace peace even in the midst of storm peace in the name of Jesus for that person who is burdened about the state of things in Nigeria and you have concluded that you will not be able to flourish I declare a mindset renewal for you that things begin to work for you in the name of Jesus that as you sow you will reap as you sow as you put your hand to the plow and, and you begin to, 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 to put seeds into the ground in this nation it would yield for you in Jesus name it will produce for you in Jesus name I declare over each and every person under the sound of my voice that the earth will yield its increase for you in the second quarter of this year that you will not you will not run around in circles uh, you will not walk in uh, on productivity Amen. in the name of Jesus Amen. productive labor is your portion I declare you are fruitful and you multiply in the name of Jesus and your fruitfulness causes a replenishing of the earth in Jesus name I declare that you are a channel through which the families of this earth will be blessed that because you are succeeding because you are thriving that other people will thrive because of you in Jesus name that you will not only enjoy you would also be an opportunity bringer to others in the name of Jesus I declare over each and every person that you enjoy joy in the season oh where there has been weeping where there has been sorrow I declare the Holy Spirit provides comfort in the name of Jesus and joy is your portion father we give you all thanks we ask Lord that as we consecrate ourselves and our lives to you afresh we release and we permit your will for us we say Lord do with us as you please and let your name be glorified in Jesus name we have prayed amen 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 God bless you have an amazing week Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.